Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. As you're probably aware, it is the uh, Advent season. What am I thinking? It is the season of Lent. Lent, Lent, Lent. We're leading up to the cross. Um, actually, we're we're. I think we're over halfway. I didn't do the math, but but it seems like we are very close. Um, and, I, and while I'm on the topic, um, the season of Lent comes to an apex um, uh, on Holy Week. It, it's Good Friday. Um, well, actually, if you want to go back to, to Monday, Thursday is where Jesus shared the Last Supper with his disciples. Good Friday is when he was actually crucified. Um, and what we do for our Good Friday service, we have a, a tenebrae service, service of shadows. It's a dark feeling. It feels a lot like a funeral, actually, um, a service that is mostly reading. Um, there are some songs involved, and and as the night progresses, it it actually gets darker, both the sun goes down, but also the darkness of the sanctuary increases until the light of Christ is snuffed out on the cross. Um, and that, uh, if it were to end there, it would be a very hopeless and very sad thing because here we are, we, we just killed the one perfect man who walked the face of the earth. But thankfully, um, by the grace of God and the power of res- resurrection, Good Friday gives way into Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus, uh, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the grave, where he defeated sin, death, and the grave. Um, And so it's always a big celebration. It's always a great Sunday, something that I always look forward to. Everybody gets a little bit more spiffy than they normally do. I've been known to bust out a suit here and there. You know, usually I'm just wearing like a polo and a a pair of jeans, but but here we go. We get a suit and tie out for this one. so that's fun. We got we're partying it up. We've got donuts and all the coffee and all that stuff that just makes it makes it you know a special Sunday. Uh, and then our friends, our family, our people that we're on mission to come out and you know. In fact, the reason why that um, your your unbelieving friends or or your your non church going friends are more likely to accept an invitation to go to church with you on Easter Sunday over any other Sunday of the year. I don't know why it is. It's still a little bit of that 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 um, the lingering of of some kind of Christian society that we once uh, had here. Um, but but even even the uh, the post Christian world that we occupy every now and then. Um, will give way to our our Christian roots, and people want to go to church on Easter Sunday. Uh, and so it, it's a, a Sunday, typically the, the room's a little more full than normal, uh, and we love it. We love being able to preach the gospel to more people, um, shine the light uh, on, on the redeeming work of Christ. And so I pray that you be with us. I know it's, for a lot of young families, there's this temptation to, you know, to be out of town to go do family things. Um, but 
Easter Sunday is for the church. Um, it's 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 when I mean you could argue that the 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 church was started the moment Jesus was resurrected, um, and so we we want to celebrate with our church family uh, again, and that allows us to be missional, invite those friends and family that we're on mission to, uh, and so I really do hope that you put that on the calendar. April fifteenth is Good Friday, seven p.m. service, and then on April seventeenth um, is Resurrection Sunday at ten a.m. Like we always meet. Um, anyway, back, that was my little plug for, for Holy Week. Now back to what I was talking about with fasting. Um, during the season of Lent, um, Christians, uh, give themselves to the practice of fasting, the discipline, the spiritual discipline of fasting. It's something that we saw Jesus do, uh, when he was out in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no drink, which is pretty insane. Um, but the idea of fasting is to say no to something, um, in order to say yes to more of God. So Jesus there said no to food and no to, no to water, so that instead of physically being satisfied, physically being quenched, um, he would spiritually go to God for those things. And the spiritual gift that God gave was so satisfying, um, so sustaining, that it, it reduced the need to have that, which is cr- crazy. That's 40 days without food or drink. Um, absolutely crazy. And so Jesus did that. And, and so we follow in that pattern um, during Lenten season where we fast. And, and I think um, we, we've maybe gotten a little bit away from that. We, we've adopted some different um, kinds of fasting, which I'll t- touch on here in a second. But um, the main discipline of fasting has been, it has involved the fasting of food, specifically food over a sustained period of time. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to go out on the first attempt at fasting and fast 40 days and 40 nights. That's, I'm going to tell you, unless your name is Jesus, that's going to be impossible. Um, but it is a discipline, whether it be short, starting out with short, you know, maybe we fast over two meals. We, we do an eight hour fast, um, do a, a 12 hour fast or a, or a day fast or move into more, you know, two days, three days a week long. I mean, there's really no, and do it, do it, do it responsibly. Let me say that first before anybody jumps off the, uh, you know, the, into the deep end there. Um, but food is something that we're, there's something about refraining from food, and that physical thing of putting something into our body um, and instead putting something spiritual, or filling our hearts with, with Christ, connecting in, in intimacy with the Lord through prayer and scripture reading um, and even good works. Um, and I know um, that in, during the times of fasting, some people often rather just saying, I'm going to, yes, definitely read your Bible more, pray more, but I, I'm going to give myself to doing something for my neighbor. I'm going to do something for my mission community or the church. I'm going to find a way to serve and give back and to make, um, you know, be the hands and feet of Christ. And so that that fasting has tied in with both service, t- tied in to food. Um, and, and the way that we have sort of modified it in our day and age is to, to fast. Maybe we don't do like the full day food or whatever food specifically. Maybe we fast from one kind of food or one kind of drink. I know many people go through the season of Lent. Hey, I'm, I'm going to fast from coffee. I'm really dependent upon coffee. And you got to, when you're fasting from something, you got to give up something that's going to hurt, right? Uh, I was talking to my, my oldest son and he's, about what he was going to give up for Lent, and he said that he was going to give up brushing his teeth, and I said that's just not going to that's not going to work, buddy, because that that's no pain, no gain for you. That's that's um that's not going to do it. And then he's like, well, what about school? Also, that was a big nope. Um, so we we had to find something that was going to be a little bit more pressing, something where you kind of feel the pinch, feel the pain of it, um, that that brings us to gives us a physical um, poke to, for us to go spiritually to God. 
Um, and, and some of the ways that we have uh, changed fasting is from, you know, like fasting from a certain thing, um, a certain food or f- certain drink, uh, your daily coffee, alcohol, whatever that might be. Um, other things have been like fasting from online shopping instead of, you know, instead of going to Amazon or going to Zappos.com. Um, I am going to learn contentment. I'm going to be satisfied with the things the Lord has already put in my hand, and I'm going to learn to give thanks to the Lord um, for all of the good gifts He has given me. That that would be a, that's a good way to fast. Um, and so some people do that. Some people do um, well. Uh, it's become even it's become very popular is to fast from technology or in some variation. So uh, it's pretty impossible in this day and age in our society to fast from technology um, uh, totally. Um, but the, the usage of technology in, in, in a um, non-essential way. Um, and so some people give up social media, some people give up TV, some people give up this, you know, um, gaming, whatever that thing might be that, that is your go-to. It's sort of whether just a gift that you really enjoy or something that you find yourself really uh, depending upon um, to, to give that up in order to, to lay, lay hold of more of God. And, and actually this year that has been the route I have, I have taken. Um, I, I, um, I have given up, uh, television. I've actually, let me put this qualifier and here I am being all pharisaical and, and, uh, showing you guys how pious I am by my fasting. This is not my intent here. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to shed a little bit of light on this. This is, this is going somewhere. Let me assure you. Um, uh, I have been fasting from needless technology, um, useless technology, and um, selfish technology. And uh, I, I'm not watching any of the shows that I like to watch by myself. I'm not not doing any of that. Um, so so Amazon, um, Disney Plus, um, Amazon Prime, whatever those those things are that I go to that are, are typically means of entertainment for me. Um, I, I, I am not doing this. The, the one, the one exception is if we have family television time where we're all watching a movie together or at the end of the day, I'm watching TV with my wife. That's a one time, but I don't get to say in what, what it is we watch. It's not selfish time. It's, it's not that. Um, and all the other part of that is tech, uh, with social media. Um, in the winter time, screen time gets out of control for me, to be honest. Um, television specifically, but then even just the, the, the endless scrolling. I, I like to work with my hands. I like to be outside, but, but when it's cold outside, oof. Um, I find myself inside kind of putzing around and, and the, the screen starts taking my attention and, and it's really humiliating those Sunday mornings when I get the, uh, end of week report from Siri to tell me how, how bad my screen time was. And so right before Lent, I was really, I was really embarrassed by that. And so I said, I, that's one of the things that I got to give up. I got to give up social media and not only social media, but games. I had worked my way into, I think, you know, it's a tendency where we get a little bit adverse to boredom. Um, and so we find things to entertain ourselves with. And so I was just cranking out, man, Doodle Jump. I don't know if you guys play Doodle Jump. That was a great game. It's an old one, but it's a good one. Um, and all the other little class, Solitaire. I can bust up Solitaire. And that stuff, but it just gets me sucked in my phone. It takes me out of the present moment. And, you know, and, and the thing is, watching my kids uh, pick up a phone and they're just mirroring me. When I watch them and they just want to have screen time, they just want to have that phone time. They want to watch YouTube. They want to, you know, they want to be on the phone, play games. They're just mirroring me. And and so that's that's also very humbling. Uh, and so I, I decided to 
um, to to step back from that, and it's provided good time for more Bible reading and um, books in general. I've, I've I've been able to finish a couple books um, so far, um, just being at home, which I've enjoyed. Also, audiobooks, but puzzles. This this is where a sweet. I have enjoyed doing puzzles. You would not guess that I am a puzzle guy. I would imagine, um, but I think. Uh, because of Lent 2022, I can now say I'm officially a puzzle guy. I very much enjoy it. Um, and it's provided a lot of great time. It, it's it's one of those things that keeps your hands busy, but your mind is sort of free. It's it's You don't really have to be locked in that much to do a puzzle. And so it's provided time to pray, meditate on scripture. I've listened to some audio books. Um, it's been fun to, to have the kids help me out and stuff like that, some good family time. Um, and so there's been some good stuff, but I have found that um, that it's easy where, where there's a vacuum and you're not intentional about filling it, um, things will fill it themselves. And what happened, what I realized very soon, I mean, it took me like three days to realize that instead of social media, um, I was spending a lot of time reading the news. I got on my my Google News, whatever, G News, whatever that little app is. It gives me like a, a wide pull from different headlines, from different sources. And I would just find myself getting sucked into that. And before you know it, I was spending just as much time on uh, about reading the news, about stuff that honestly wasn't that important, um, as I was on social media. And so I, I had to get after that. Now, I'm, I'm not a... I still read the news, um, but I had to put some limits on it for myself. So I'm, I'm at least trying to restrain um, that um, that impulse to just fill more time up with my screen. Um, but anyway, in the time I've been reading the news more thoroughly, um, I have just been blown away by some of the headlines lately. There, there are so many fascinating things going on in the world right now um, that specifically pertain to Christian worldview. And, uh, and, and it makes me kind of want to start another podcast just to talk through a couple of headlines every day. I just don't have time to do that. In fact, there's people who are far more smart, uh, more smarter. I didn't, I can't even say that right. That there are a lot of people that are smarter than me that are doing that very thing. And one of them, um, Dr. Albert Moeller, president of, of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, does a daily podcast, like 20, 25 minutes long, called The Briefing, that I highly encourage you uh, to listen to because it might be one of the, the most helpful places to go to get um, daily events and, and uh, events and, and news from a Christian worldview. Um, so he unpacks some of the, the current events and then um, talks through um, things from a biblical perspective of, of what's good about this, what's bad about this, how can how does the gospel shed a better light on it or, or provide a better narrative than whatever is going on. And so it, I think it is very helpful. So rather than me doing that, I'm just going to make a plug for his podcast and say, check that out. Um, but there there are a couple things. One thing that I really want to talk about that is very important for us, especially as um, we are parents, a lot of the Sacred City folks are parents of young children, um, that is very relevant and very important for us to be aware of. But there's a bunch of other fun stuff to talk about. Not fun stuff. I shouldn't, it's not all fun. Like, for example, uh, the war in Ukraine, that's not fun. But there are some things that are, are, would be important to talk through and to think about. Um, the, the, the more lighthearted things, the slap heard around the world, that would also be inter- interesting to unpack a little bit uh, and talk about the not only the slap, which was something else, um, that, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, the whole, during the, the Oscars, Will Smith, actually Chris Rock was one of the MCs. He, he made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's 
wife. She has a shaved head. She has some sort of medical condition. And I don't know if that was public knowledge or not or whatever it was at the time. Um, but he took a mild jab at her, um, her haircut. And um, at first, Will Smith laughed because it was kind of funny. But then something clicked in him and he got he got very agitated, walked up on stage and then open-handedly slapped Chris Rock across the face and and told him um shouted rather from his seat once he returned um keep my wife's name out of your mouth and and there was some sort of ex- expletive in there at some point and so just to see some there's a lot of interesting dynamics with the academy i mean hollywood has always had these really high wokey standards for for people to participate that you've got to basically have this like accord whatever their doctrine is of what a good person is you've got to live up to that and and we'll give you a good spot or if you don't well well then you certainly can't host which is we've seen before um and, and then you know there's even the threat of you being removed unable to take uh, to, to receive an award. And actually, interestingly, uh, that night, Will Smith did win a major award. And he got up there after smacking Chris Rock in the face and crying. And, oh, boy, I'm getting off track here. But let me finish this story up. Um, smacking him in the face. He gets up there all teary-eyed and, and is crying. And he makes an apology to the Academy. He makes an apology. Basically, he apologizes to everybody except for the dude that he sinned against and smacked across the face. Um, so he doesn't apologize to him in the moment, but then everybody in the room gets up and applauds him after he just did this, what, what should be an inexcusable act. Um, and and apparently everybody loves him and and it was so moving. And it's just like the double standards of Hollywood of, oh, we don't, we don't tolerate violence, but you know, but then this case, maybe we will. And, and then, well, by the way, we make all kinds of movies that are filled with violence and all kinds of other stuff that is not, um, does, by no means fits any sort of uh, category of goodness. Um, anyway, and then there's all kinds of responses. Just totally fascinating to me. Um, and so for as Christians, for us to look at the news, process some of these headlines, and think about things from a biblical worldview, very important. Now, one of the ones, in fact, one of the ones that is very important, very concerning, something that, that every Christian parent ought to have their ears kind of dialed into this thing is what has been going on with um, in recent days with Disney. Um, Disney is one of the biggest companies in uh, North America. They have, they might have, I think it's likely that Disney has the greatest influence over our society from an entertainment perspective. Um, they make some of the best movies. They have the Marvel, Marvel universe. They have, um, They've got the Star Wars stuff. They've got all of the kids shows. Um, they've uh, and then and then just so many different avenues and outlets where oh they've got the theme park, all that stuff that's going on. They've got all kinds of things, and they have a lot of influence in our society. And um, what sort of stirred this whole thing up and why Disney got their name in the headlines? Um, a couple things. First, um, there, there's this exodus happening. Um, from California. A lot of Californians are, have been leaving the state of California due to these liberal um, policies that have made the state unlivable. Um, taxes are super high. There's all kinds of requirements. If you want to run a business out of California, it's going to be next to impossible for you. And so they've made it very hard for Californians to thrive and, and is like basically it's survival at this point. And so you even see people that have generally left-leaning ideologies that have, have kind of realized that they're, that this, 
these policies do not help uh, human flourishing. That they make it very hard, and they then leave to go to more um, conservative states like Texas or Idaho, um, or, or um, you know, places that are nearby Arizona that that kind of uh, are not as um, as liberal leaning. And so as, as there's this exodus, part of the exodus is uh, Disney is bringing a number, a large number of, of its employees out of its park system in California and bringing them to Florida, which is a conservative state. And as they do this, there has been legislation that Governor DeSantis has presented, and I believe it has recently been passed, um, that, that liberals and Democrats have labeled the Don't Say Gay Bill, um, which is sort of a, a mis, misnomer for um, what this bill is because nowhere in the bill does it say you cannot say gay. Um, but what it does restrict and what it is speaking to is um, it is restricting teachers of teaching or speaking upon matters of sexuality and gender identity from grades kindergarten to third grade, which as Christians... Um, I hope you can say, wow, that's a good thing. Um, and in fact, in our state right now, in Illinois, it's the opposite, where there is new um, legislation and a new sex ed curriculum that begins as early as kindergarten. And even if you want to take your kid out of that and say, well, we're going to hold off and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to teach our kid about sexuality and gender um, on our own, and we're going to wait for the times right, which would be a prudent thing to do as parents and not necessarily make it a kindergarten discussion. Um, although there are things that like, uh, with gender that should start long before that, um, uh, of just affirming God, you made it, made you a boy. This is what it means. God made you a girl. This is what this means. This is a gift to be received, to be lived into that stuff should be going on, um, in Christian households because it's confusing times if that's not happening. Um, anyway, and, and so we should be able to look at this legislation and say, this is a good idea. This, this gives parents, this puts, instead of, instead of snatching um, the responsibility out of the parents' hands to educate their children in, in these matters, um, it, it pre- prohibits that from happening, where the teacher, um, whatever, whatever worldview they want to espouse to their kids, they get limited in those things. Now, the pushback from that is coming from uh, the liberals and, and celebrities that are saying, oh, and even there was an SNL skit a couple weeks or maybe a week or two ago, uh, how devastating this, this bill is going to be and um, it's going to mess kids up. It's going to do far more damage than it is going to do any good. going to be a lot more confusion, a lot more stuff, you know, and... And and I don't I don't agree, and and that that'll be my opinion. But I also think that there's biblical grounds to to um, say that because when we live into God's world according to God's ways, um, it will go well for us. It's living with the grain of the universe, um, and and when we rebel against those things, regards in regards to sexuality and gender identity, it will not go well for us. Um, it, it will lead to a very uh, dismal and, and bleak state of existence um, where something that we think will satisfy us will ultimately turn up um, in, insufficient to satisfy um, the desires and feelings that we might have. It is always better to obey the will of God than it is to um, go my own way and do what feels right according to my gut. So, parents... Uh, in fact, uh, going back to this thing, uh, it's not so. While there is some pushback from um, the left-leaning politicians, some celebrities, a large number of the um, 
the country, according to a couple of studies and, and surveys, show that that this is a um, a policy that many, like like I think it's like 65 percent of people are in favor of, um, and, and that is irreg- it was bipartisan. So that that shows that even there are some Democrats. Um, people who lean left politically that would um, say, yeah, we should probably hold off from pumping a bunch of stuff, a bunch of this LGBTQ um, worldview stuff down the throats of our kids at such a young age. And so I think um, good for them. I wish Illinois would adopt something like that. Um, But with that, it has caused a a rub between Disney and um, the state of Florida, where as these, as... um, well, they already have uh, employees there, but as these um, employees that come from California that bring some of their liberal ideologies with them come into a conservative state, they're saying, what is going on here? Is the company not going to speak out against us? Because um, Disney has has tipped their hat to many times and in many ways um, that they are in favor of this LGBTQ agenda. And you see um, a bunch of stuff going on in the, the movies, their shows, um, that are, are being rolled out, um, that have blips of, of this stuff, um, that are injected into two kids, um, movies and shows. And you can see that it's coming from adults that are creating stories. It's coming from adults that are creating, um, that are, that are bought into a cultural world or worldview, um, and going with the cultural current that are, are then, um, what they're doing are proselytizing the next generation, espousing, indoctrinating this LGBTQ agenda, um, through their movies. And if you don't believe me, um, this is something that, um, the, the CEO, I'll get to that quote here in a minute, something that the, the CEO um, says that they are actually doing, they, they believe in the power of the story. Um, and, and so what's happening here, the, the employees speak up, they say to the CEO, aren't you going to say anything about it? CEO um, has indicated in, in some ways that he's relatively conservative um, and, and opted to, rather than make a public statement or take a, a, an official stance from the company, uh, he makes a statement where he says, rather than engaging, and I'm, I'm summarizing this off the top of my head, so you can go look up his official quote, rather than engaging in politics um, and, and speaking about legislation, what Disney is going to do is instead we are going to, um, we are going to pump out the values that we have through the stories that we tell. So what he's saying is, okay, and, and I think this, is, this would have been a, a smart idea by him, um, to stay out of the, the political sector, um, but, but eventually he caves. <laughs> but he's saying the stories that we tell have a power to them. They capture the imagination. And, and this is something that even, even that we as Christians believe, the power of story. God gave us a story. Um, you, you talk about um, the, the people of Israel. They had the story of the Red Sea. They were story-formed people. And that's the case with us as Christians, too. We are a story-formed people. Stories carry power. And what Disney is doing is telling a story that in some ways mimics a the biblical story, but in a lot of ways deviates from the biblical story. And so more and more as of recently, um, they and actually they've been doing this for a while. So even if you go back and, and survey some of the old stories, the old Disney movies, um, one of the things that you'll notice is that there is very rarely, if if I can't even think of one off the top of my head right now, there's very rarely any movies that positively portray a intact nuclear family. And by that, I mean a mother and a father, 
um, and, and kids that interact with them with each other in a way that is good and and virtuous and noble. Um, either there's an absent parent, which usually is the father, because the narrative is that dads stink and we don't need them. Um, so there's that narrative going on. Um, or the other side of that is if it's not an absent parent, it's a parent that's overbearing or is like miscalculated, uh, a parent that is operating from a very non-resourceful place in their life. They're, they're, they're unhealthy, um, overbearing. They are demanding. Um, they are, you know, they, they just got something wrong and you look at them and say, Ooh, I don't like that. And that's kind of how parents are tend to be portrayed in these Disney movies. Um, or, or even if it's not a parent directly, some kind of an adult figure where, where it's like the kid is the hero or, or that, that person is the hero. And despite the adults leading and, um, instruction, they're going to come out on top and they're going to prove the adult wrong or something, you know, like that, that's a pretty common, uh, narrative in Disney movies. Now it, it's moved toward an even more destructive, um, place where where you see more and more LGBTQ stuff getting injected into uh, these movies, and and not just that, but but also um, worldview matters that um, are, are counterproductive if we want to raise godly children, um, children who honor their father and mother, who obey them, um, at, yeah, so that it will go well for them and they could live long in the land. Um, there are, are virtues that are being espoused that are not helpful um, and straight up just like anti-God in some of these, these movies and films and TV shows that Disney is, is creating. And, um, and, and it's by the power of story that they're trying to advance an agenda. They're trying to advance a worldview. And actually, I just saw today, um, the let's see, her name is... Carrie Burke, who is Disney corporate president, who says, as the mother of one transgender child and one pansexual child, she supports having many, many, many LGBTQI characters in our society, in our stories, and want a minimum of 50% of characters to be LGBTQIA and racial minorities. Now, I have no problem with the racial minorities. Not, you know, I'm not against that by any means. Um, the thing that is concerning is the LGBTQI of this this vision for having to for normalizing what is unnatural according to the Word of God. Um, the Word of God says homosexuality is not natural. It is an unnatural relationship. Um, it's not how God designed a man to interact with another man or a woman to interact with another woman. It is out of God's design for that kind of relationship. Um, and so here Disney says, well, we're actually going to move forward with that. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that your kids get more and more exposure. It means that this sort of um, godless uh, approach to sexuality is is normalized. And then as it gets normalized, it's portrayed in a positive light. And in the meantime, to be against it is portrayed in a bigoted light. So, so you can't, you can't be, um, it's like, you can't hold a, a biblical worldview. You can't hold a biblical view of sexuality and be considered a good person because here you are full of hate. That that's the kind of narrative that they pump into it. And, um, 
it's concerning as a parent, as for me as a parent of young children, um, that Disney, you know, we've, we, we, we utilize a Disney plus subscription of the kind of content. And this goes for YouTube. It goes for Netflix. It goes for any streaming service while we're on the topic, but Disney here coming out and explicitly saying, Hey, we're, we're trying to sway the opinion of people through our stories. And one of the things that we're doing is we're injecting more and more LGBTQIA friendly characters that uh, portray a worldview, a way of doing life that is is not the way that God prescribes. And they're going to keep doing that and doing that. And it's going to be something um, that eventually, if your kid, if your kids watch enough movies, they're going to get on board with. It's going to happen. It's it's like not only will they have peer pressure, which is a, very much a reality of of not being the person who has a, a varying opinion, but now um, this strong force in our society is saying, this is now the standard of goodness. This is now the standard of beauty. This is now the standard of truth. And your truth is your truth, or your truth is the truth, and, and leaves us in this very um, subjective and... Um, very dangerous place in our society as, as we'll come to find out, I'm sure. Um, but, but here's the charge. I bring all this up. I, I bring up this current events and tell you why, you know, at least maybe this is a little bit of the redemptive part of scrolling through some of these headlines this year or this, this lens season is, is because this is something that I know a lot of our families here at Sacred City Church, um, we have these subscriptions. Um, and, and, and more often than not, um, our kids, might be watching television that's unsupervised or, or television that we, we have, you know, we've seen a couple episodes or something that seems good enough, but it, all it takes is that one thing to get slipped in or that, you know, and it starts to introduce these new ideas where we as parents need to be on guard about this. We need to be aware that our, our kids are being formed by stories. It's not a matter of, of if they are being formed, but by what stories are they being formed by? Are they going to be formed by secular th- uh, stories, pagan stories, stories that are absent of God and redemption and grace, or are they going to be formed by stories that are centered on the goodness of God, on the truth and the beauty of God as we see in the redemption of Christ through the gospel. And so our kids must be formed by by the true stories, the truest story. The the story, well, it's like what Jordan Peterson um, said a, a while back on Joe Rogan. He says the Bible is truer, truer than true. It's, it's the... Um, it's the precondition for any kind of truth that we know of right now. But, but our society is totally missing that reality. Um, and so we need to be aware of what stories our children are being formed by. So that, that might mean you need to vet movies before you watch them as a family. Now, uh, I will say this. Um, a couple, it's probably two weeks ago. Uh, we, or I don't know when it was. I lose track of time so badly. Um, there's a new movie about, I think it's about a red, red panda. I don't, here I am. I don't even know what the name is. Big deal. I've seen things, uh, I've seen media releases and stuff about it. And it's like supposed to be pretty controversial. And, and actually I sat down with my oldest son and I said, well, we'll try it. We'll see. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it with him. And there's a couple things where, and I pause it and I say, listen, bud, I'm not exactly sure where this is going, but I feel like something like we're going to have to talk about, about this. Um, and there was some stuff that, you know, I'm pretty sure went over his head. Um, but there was some stuff that, that was said that I had to go back and unpack. And, and I say, wait a minute, time out. Are they, are they honoring their father and the mother? 
is what they're doing, are they honoring God? Is that the way that God, do we let our feelings control us or do we let the word of God control us and tell us what we ought to be doing with ourselves? And so going through some of those things and then, man, here was the kicker. I, there was one line in the movie and, and you want to talk about propaganda, you can talk about indoctrination. There's this line in the movie that says, my panda, my choice. Because I, I don't, I can't even explain the plot. Something about emotions and anger and she turns into this giant panda and she learns to control it, and um, she has the opportunity to get rid of it, but she decides to keep it. Okay, and I just slaughtered the whole narrative of that story. But but she, her mom is urging her to deal with the panda problem. And she says, no, I don't want to. It's my panda, my choice. And she breaks the tradition of her mother and grandmother and you know all of the, the matronly ladies that had gone before her. She breaks the tradition and starts doing her own thing. And in that statement, my panda, my choice, what is that? What, 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 what thoughts are being communicated and where is that being brought, borrowed from? That is the slogan of pro-abortion people that um, that say, my body, my choice. The, so right there in a kid's movie, you're seeing these breadcrumbs being laid for something that as Christians, we say, uh-uh, your body is not your own. My body is not my own. It belongs to the Lord. My, my body and my soul belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's stuff like that, that when we are experiencing, when we're looking through and, and reading stuff with our kids, um, reading, uh, yeah, reading goes for reading too, but watching and music and things of that nature, we need to be vetted. We need to have a critical filter on as we're reading this stuff and, and watching this stuff and be able to, um, to critique that which is out of step with the, 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 grip, the scriptures, but also to provide a better vision, a more compelling vision for what God teaches rather than what the culture is teaching. And so let me put this in your lap as parents. I think it's really, really crucial for us to know what our kids are watching. Things like, here, here's a couple things. Things like, is the Lord's name being used in vain? That, you know, that's a big deal. So even if, even if it's not explicitly super bad or super offensive or whatever, are they using the Lord's name in vain? Well, yes, they are. Okay, well, then they're breaking the commandment. We, we need to have a conversation, and in, in a lot of cases, we need to just turn it off because it's not helpful. Um, if they're going to take the Lord's name in vain, well, they certainly are going to honor the Lord with a lot of this other stuff. And so we need to have uh, a level of thoughtfulness and vetting the things that our kids watch and listen to. And that might mean, you know, I don't know what you listen to in the car. Um, I hope you know, the car is a great opportunity um, to, to tap into some catechism, to tap into some some worship hymns and, and scripture memorization and a bunch of stuff like that. And, you know, if, if you're listening to stuff, whether it be podcasts or music, that's not wholesome, that's not stuff, especially that a, a young kid should be listening to, I think it's time to turn it off and let's find something that's going to be better, more productive for raising the kind of godly kids we want to raise. Um, so know what your kids are watching, know what they're listening to, um, and then be able to go back and provide a critique and a more compelling vision uh, for what life ought to be. Not being we don't have to be apologetic about what the Word of God says. Um, we, we should love it. We should embrace it. Um, it a scripture says that, that the law of the Lord is perfect. It, it's reviving. It revives us. And so um, with that, with these developments in um, the news of Disney, kind of the stuff that they're, they're, they're saying explicitly, we need to be aware um, and, and know, man, our kids should not have unfettered access to 
screens, um, whether that be um, streaming services or YouTube or just in general web browsing tendencies, um, our mu- their music. We ought to, especially kids like that are that are upper in age. Maybe if they've got their own device, like that, that becomes more important to say. All right, we need to keep an eye on what content they are intaking so that we can expel that which is is godless and then we can import that which is helpful for building up disciples of Jesus Christ. And so with that, I know everybody loves Disney. Everybody's got sweet memories of Disney and you know they they nobody else makes kids movies um like the quality of it as as good as they do. But we have to be aware. We have to be concerned with this. We have to keep a filter, um, and we have to um, monitor these things. Um, one thing while I'm on my way out here, because um, this has gone much longer than what I anticipated, one resource that could be helpful in this um, is called VidAngel. Uh, it's something we, we haven't used a lot. Uh, in fact, I, I tend to just turn off a show um, before I do like a filtering thing. Um, but VidAngel offers this the ability to uh, filter movies and videos. I, I think it's like a streaming... So I'm not the expert on this, but um, there might be somebody here who knows a little bit more about it. But uh, it, it has excuse me, these filters you can apply to whatever content you're watching, um, streaming services, videos, movies, whatever. Um, and you can remove things like profanity, um, sexual immorality. You can remove um, swearing, using the Lord's name in vain, um, things of that nature that would make something, uh, something that could be okay um, if it didn't have those things in it, Um, something we can sit down and watch with our kids. Because the idea, like we're not, the aim here is not to be separatist and totally detached and contrary to the world. Um, like in, like we're not trying to start a, a, a monastery or something where we're just cut off, not Amish folk that are cut off from the world in, in its entirety. But we do want to think through, um, is this something that we can receive as is? Like can, if this is a movie that actually does honor God and does um, espouse Christian values, um, that we can just receive it as it is, is it something that needs to be redeemed? Which I would say the majority of the content that our kids are watching needs to be redeemed. It needs to, we need to circle back around and bring the truth of the gospel to bear on it. We need to correct um, things and ideas and thoughts that are out of out of out of step with a biblical worldview. Uh, and then there are things that we just straight out need to reject. Say, nope, we're not going to watch this show. This is not a show um, that's for us. And and you can say that um, based upon things that. Um, that you see explicitly in the show or in the activity and behavior that it produces in your kids. Um, and so there are shows that we just say to our kids, no, we're not going to watch this. And the reason why is it, it makes my kids turn into little punks. They watch it. They get an attitude. They watch it. They get violent. They watch it. They become more defiant. Whatever it is, it has some sort of effect. The story has a power over them. So parents... Let's give our kids a better story. Let's give them the story of the gospel. Let's give them the life that's available to them through the work of Jesus Christ and bring them into the good life. The, the, the course would be charted now and not when it's too late. And with that, that is my one shot at current events from a Christian worldview. I hope this has been helpful. I hope, I hope these things have been revealing to you and gives you more of a fire in your belly uh, to, to do the good work of godly parenting. I'm praying for you as you do that. There's no more noble cause than that. Blessings to you, um, to a thousand generations. May the Lord bless us and our children. <laughs>